Welcome to Decode Your Burnout, the podcast where we crack the code on burnout based on three primary factors, your programming, environment, and personality. We also feature experts who debunk the myths about what it takes to be successful in their industry and spin those tips to fit the workplace so you can optimize the way you work. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Grossman, a psychologist turned coach, author, and burnout expert. If you're burned out and want to go from exhausted to extraordinary, book a free breakthrough session with me by going to bookachatwithsharon.com. And if you want to see how you're doing and what to focus on next, download the burnout checklist. You'll find the link in the show notes or go to bit.ly forward slash check your burnout. Now let's get started. Hello, Decode Your Burnout fans, and welcome to another episode with me, Dr. Sharon Grossman, and my co-host, Heather Talley-Bauer, for our third episode, which today we're going to focus on the doer. We've talked already about the thinker, the feeler. If you've missed those episodes, definitely go back and listen to them. But today, if you're a doer, get ready because you're going to find yourself in this episode. And I'm super excited because... As you may know, if you've listened to our last episode, I am a doer. And so I'm excited to kind of showcase my version of that and my understanding of it from also from a burnout perspective. So let's go, Heather. You are such a doer. I am so excited about this episode. I can't even (laughs) tell you. You are such a doer. Yes, this is episode three. All good things happen in threes. So here we are. Yeah, 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 for sure. So as we mentioned with the prior two types, I think it's important for people to walk away understanding that being any one of these three is not in and of itself a bad thing. It's just who you are. And the way it shows up when you're burned out is just that you're in your type, but out of balance. And so we're going to talk about what it looks like to be a doer in balance and what it looks like to be a doer in burnout just to give you a good understanding of it. Yes, I am a doer. I like to do a lot of things. I am an entrepreneur and I love being creative and I love that I have the possibility to do that in this space, right? So you can always find me doing something and I've got probably like a spreadsheet of future projects that I write down for myself so I don't forget them and then I can go back to them, but I'm always coming up with something. And the other thing I do is I always listen to what other people's feedback is. And sometimes I get ideas from them of what other things I could be doing. So I'm always kind of learning and absorbing kind of like a sponge. And I actually love it. I think that is what makes me tick. I love generating content. I love doing new projects and exploring and learning. I just love learning. So Heather, if I can tell you, like if I had more time, (laughs) this is what I would do. I would like take more online courses. That's what I would do. I know you would. I mean, you run circles around me for sure. And I always love your energy. I am not kidding. I'm going to tell a story. I'm going to tell your listeners a story about you. I am not kidding when I say this and she's a Um, stand-up comic and I'm a stand-up comedian and I am (laughs) like I am not exaggerating when I am telling this story so we meet twice a week right you and I we meet because we're working on a project which we'll talk about and I am not kidding we meet on Wednesdays we meet on Fridays right I'm not kidding 
we met on a Friday or maybe it was Wednesday. We met on Wednesday. We met on a Wednesday and you said, I have this idea for a book, right? The stress advantage book, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not even kidding you. Over the weekend, you sent me pages to read. And on Monday, it was like uploaded and your ebook was ready to roll. Where I'm not, perf- because I'm the thinker, right? I'm that person. I have ideas too, Sharon. I have ideas. I oh, also yeah. have 24 hours in my day, just like you, but I have a feeling I sleep more than you do. You definitely have spreadsheets about all your ideas because your brain is never not working. And one of the things that I, that I really admire about you is really truth, truthfully, how much energy you have and how energized you are by the things that you're doing. Now, knowing you the way that I do, I also know that you say in balance, I say evolved. You are a doer that values self-care. And you do things for yourself, which is critical and amazing and important. Remember last time when we were talking about the feeler, I said, I feel like a feeler. It's really hard to get a feeler to stop caring as much as they care about other people. I have a feeling it is hard to get a doer to take a step back from all the things that they're doing because there's a lot of, we as a society, we value the hustle, right? Absolutely. It's definitely cultural. I'm sure like in other cultures that we know less about, there's less of that happening, but in the Western world, that's definitely a thing. And part of the Eastern world, I just want to say, I mean, you think about people in China and how hard they work or in Japan, like people are dropping dead from the stress of work. You know, I would say that's doing out of balance. Oh, (laughs) that's out of balance, right? Right. percent. Let's not let it get to that people. No, definitely. That's Mm -hmm. That's not what we're advocating for. So yeah, but I think it's important. It's not just about doing. I just want to clarify this. This is an important point. It's not just about doing, doing, doing and the busyness of it, right? I'm not looking to be busy because like I said, if I could get stuff out of the way and have more time, I would, I have passion projects. I could do those. I can kind of like expand my learning. I could, whatever it is, right? But it's really about being aligned with what you're doing. So there are people who are really chronically busy. They're doing a lot of things, but they're misaligned. Mm -hmm. And so that's where they're burning out, right? Or they're doing too much for the business or for their job or for other people and not enough for themselves. And then they're out of balance and they burn out. And I'll give an example I'm currently working with somebody who is a lawyer, has been for nearly 30 years, and he never really loved the law. It's not like he got into it because he was so passionate about it. It was more a strategic move. He wanted to have some stability, and it kind of fits with his personality because Mm -hmm. he's a perfectionist. He's a thinker, so very black and white, and it's like the law is what it is, so it's a perfect fit. Sure. But the passion's not there. And guess what? He's like, I'm done. I want to quit. I want to know when enough is enough. Right. And I think a lot of doers, if you're in a situation where you're misaligned, you definitely run the risk of burning out. So there's that. And we all, regardless of our type, I think need to feel like there's a sense of purpose in our work. It doesn't really matter what your type is. If you're misaligned, you're definitely running the risk of burnout. And so I'll say this, 
while I might work X number of hours, and maybe it's more than other people in some capacity and less than others, you know, I, I'm not doing the comparison thing, but what I'm saying is I don't feel stressed by it. I actually love it. It's You're energy. energized by it. You're yeah. energized by the doing. You never met a new idea you didn't love <laughs> and that you didn't want to put into your spreadsheet and either act on it or just save it for later. But, you know, I know a lot of doers and for a lot of them, I feel like their identity is wrapped up in being the person that does a lot of stuff. Yes. I, I'm so glad you brought that up because often I hear about people who feel guilty about not being productive. Mm -hmm. So if you're a doer and you're used to the busyness and constantly like doing something, it might be that you're just in this mode of doing without really a sense of purpose. And then it's like part of your identity. So now when we talk about self-care, when we talk about taking time off and going on vacation, you're like, I can't do that because I need to be doing more. In fact, I just worked with another client who we were talking about vacations and he was telling me not only is he a doer, like in his business and his work, but then when he goes on vacation, he has to plan out like every second of every day with oh, 15 yeah. activities, right? And it's like, so it's not really relaxing. So what happens is, and I've, I've been guilty of this, right? You come back from your vacation and then it's the classic, I need a vacation for my vacation, my vacation. kind of situation, right? If you feel like that, you're probably a doer. Well, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because one of my BFFs, a neighbor of mine, her name is Julie. That's her real name. I am not going to hide her real name. <laughs> She's the classic doer. She is the classic doer. And I, sometimes I feel a little guilty that I don't plan as much like stuff for my right. family to do because she's that person that when they go on vacation, it's, we're going to stay here on day one, we're going to do this. And then we're going to go to, she and I, we're kind of in a contest. We're taking our son, she has two boys and I have one to all the major league baseball stadiums. Okay. So when we travel as a family, that's our big activity. We're flying in, we're going to a baseball game. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're probably going to eat some food. Mommy's probably going to shop when she does it. They've hiked 12 miles and then they went to, the, and then they went and then they did this and then they did that. And then they saw this and then they saw that. It's and, like 10X your vacation. Yeah. Like, yeah. And she's like, oh, well, what did you guys do? when you went to whatever she and I had parallel vacations last year, we went to Europe, they went to Europe and I took a selfie of every cool place that we went. And she sent me like 20 more selfies <laughs> than I did. There's a certain part of that, that I admire, right? Because mm. I do get that, gosh, I should be doing more. But then I realized like my family, my husband and our son, he plays travel baseball. So in Georgia, where I live, that is almost a year round thing. And when I say travel baseball, I mean, within the state of Georgia for the most part, but it is an every weekend thing. And so when we have a weekend at home, I don't want to go on a 12 mile hike. You know, I don't want to leave my home. And so I've just realized I prioritize things, you know, differently. Yeah. Um, she is prioritizing memories creating memories and experiences for her kids. But I'll just wrap up with this story about her. One time, a couple of years ago, she and I, she was like, hey, I have to go to this store a couple of towns over. Do you want to go with me? And I was like, yeah, our kids were in elementary school. And I said, sure, I'll go. And then we, when we were wrapping up, we had about mm, 
maybe like 45, 50 minutes before we had to get the kids off the bus. And I said, Hey, why don't we grab lunch? And she was like, what do you mean? I was like, what do you mean? What do I mean? She had never, never gone and had lunch with a friend. And so I said, well, I'm hungry. I actually eat. We're going. We went and had lunch. And she literally said to me, I've never done this. Wow. She's never given herself the opportunity or the permission or whatever built it into her. She's never prioritized just having lunch. Like she eats like as she's working, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, that's too much. I'm like, Julie. And she's always running around with her hair on fire. But she gets more done than most people. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I think for a couple of things, one is regardless of your type, I think it's important not to compare yourself to other types and then feel like you're doing it wrong. Right. So if you're a thinker or you're a feeler and you don't get as much done as the doer, it doesn't mean that you're lacking in some capacity. You have other strengths. It's like, I was talking to my son, my son's playing football and you know, he comes out of the game and he was really in a bad mood and he's like, Oh, it wasn't fair. They put us on this team and you know, we lost by so much and da da da. And like his friend who's on the other team is taller, faster, bigger, you know? And so he's like, I feel a sense of hopelessness. Like I'm never going to beat him. And I said, well, you know, he's just built a different way. So he's probably going to beat you in football. And what if you just celebrated that and recognize that you beat him in other areas and he's not whining and complaining about the fact that you get higher grades than him or that you score higher on the achievement, whatever. Like, it doesn't matter. Like we each have our strengths and our weaknesses and doing this comparison thing, you're going to make yourself crazy. That's the first thing I just want to like say is you don't all have to be, as you say, running with your hair on fire. Like that's for sure. As a matter of fact, we really frown upon that. That is not where we're trying to get to. But so when is a doer, when is it too much or what does it look like when a doer is out of balance? Yeah. Well, I think your example of eating while you work and never taking the time out for yourself and like actually needing somebody else to give you permission to do that and to slow down and to focus on you. That's really out of balance for me. That's what I would say. You know, if you're not taking care of yourself along the way on your list of to do's, like if part of your to do's isn't like some version of self-care, whether it's taking time for lunch, doing a yoga class, going for a walk on the beach, whatever it is, you know, if you don't have anything on your to-do list that has to do with you, then we have problems because it's not sustainable. Right. My mother-in-law used to be like that and she passed away nine years ago, but she, she just couldn't sit still. She felt like, you know, that old, if there's time to lean, there's time to clean. (laughs) And until the end of the day, and at the end of the day, when she dropped, she dropped, right? And I used to say, she's like a shark, right? She's got to keep moving. If she doesn't keep moving, she drowns. And even when she would come to visit us, she would, Hey, do you need me to do that? Do you need me to do that? You know, she would do our laundry. She would clean out our refrigerator. She would take our cans back to the recycling, you know, whatever. And we wanted her to just sit down, relax, be a guest in our home, enjoy your time with us and the visiting. But she just didn't have that capacity. 
Yeah. And it is in a way, something that you have to train yourself for, because if you're a doer, you are so used to getting things done. I remember going to a cousin's house and there was some sort of a family celebration or something. So we all were gathering there and I show up in the kitchen and I see the host. She's like trying to prep all the platters and it's like, she's so distracted and it's like molasses and it's taking over. I'm like, how can I help? And she's like, well, we need to cut up the bagels and set this up and da, da, da. So like I come in like a whirlwind, I get it all done. And then she like five minutes later, whatever it was, 10 minutes later, somebody shows up and they're like, oh, it looks great. And they're like, and she's like, oh my God, how did you do that? Right. And I'm like, I don't know. I just get shit done. You know, like it just, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not in my head about it, but it's not that I feel the compulsion to constantly do. It's just like, I know that. I can do certain things. Okay. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about that because this is where you want to have invite a doer to your party, right? <laughs> or have them on your event committee or, you know, right. uh, you know, whatever, because a doer is somebody who sees something that needs to be done and is confident enough to take that on and do it. Right. And those are valuable people. Those are valuable people on your team. They're valuable people on your life. Those are valuable people because you recognize that she needed some help. You said, hey, how can I help? Credit to her for delegating yes. something because I'm the worst at going, no, 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 no. I got it. I got it. Because I'm sure. a thinker. The right? self-reliance. The self-reliance thing, right? Yeah, the self-reliance thing. And because I don't want to put somebody out if they're a guest in my home, but also- it take you know, we talked about this. It takes me longer to tell you what I need done, but you are somebody that it's just like, oh, oh, nope, that needs done. And I'm just going to do it with, you know, you asked, but other, you know, you also are that person that just see something that needs to be done and then you do it. And doers are the very valuable quality. I can see where physical overwhelm is probably very, very likely to happen with a doer. Am I right about that? And I'm so glad that you brought that up because what I'm finding is that each one of our three types actually burns out quite a bit differently. And what I've found from interviewing a number of doers is that burnout shows up for them most likely in a physical fashion. So mm. these are the people who their bodies are breaking down because they're not listening. And so these are the folks that end up getting hospitalized three times before the message really sinks in that they need to slow down right? These are the people who have those aches and pains and they've just like powering through. And really the message is you asked earlier, how do you know if you're a doer out of balance? If you're in pain and you're like powering through because you still have stuff to get done, it's too much. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, I think that goes back to, there are a couple of things and I think, I wonder how this shows up generationally, you know, depending on, you know, which, which generation you are, because, you know, the younger generation really values balance where, you know, my, my generation being a Gen Xer, when I was in the corporate world, there was a lot of suck it up buttercup. This is the way it is. You're sick too bad, you know, show up anyway. And then I think about my grandfather who was world war two generation. It was bootstrapping. There's this idea generationally of just not complaining, just do what needs to be done. I'm just wondering, I know how that 
doer mentality shows up in my world, but luckily I visit that world. I don't live in it. I guess we'll say it that way, but I don't know. What age group are you working with when you're working with the doers? I mean, it's mostly people like in their fifties, I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's me. These are folks who have already given their career like three decades Mm -hmm. and they are ready to transition out. They're ready for focusing on themselves, maybe, maybe doing that, that passion project, maybe, you know, they've secured their finances and now they want to do something for the fun of it. And maybe they'll make money doing it. They don't know, but that's not the primary. Like they've spent the last 30 years taking care of everybody, making sure things get done, securing their financial future. And once you have all that in place, then you might start really asking yourself some questions. Like, is this all there is because now you're, you're kind of quote unquote over the hill and you're starting to think about, you know, the rest of your life. <laughs> I mean, did you just say that, did you really do? Oh my gosh. Well, let's say I am it, not it, over the hill. Listen, let's say in a good scenario, you live to a hundred. I right? am middle age. If middle age means people live to be 106. Okay. <laughs> Which, you know, that's very unlikely, but with technology, you never know. However, you know, in the good scenario where you do live to 100, when you pass 50, you, you're like through half the first half of your life. And so for it's sure. time for you to start to really ask yourself some important questions, such as, you know, what else is there? Is this I want to do it? Am I happy? Or am yeah. I just doing this like my lawyer client because I wanted the stability But I'm kind of just burned out on showing up every day, doing the mundane. Like, I want more excitement. I want more passion. I want something that feeds my soul, right? So what what I'm hearing you say is that, and maybe more so than the other two that we've talked about, because we haven't talked about in this way, is that there is a little bit of an expiration date that was a bad, bad phrase. Well, let's say shelf life. (laughs) I feel like there's more of a shelf life to a doer because we retire, Right. Or we physically, as we get older, we physically can't do as much. And so I find that to be, we haven't talked about the others in that same way, but I feel like listening to you, you've got clients that listen, a midlife crisis is a thing. That is such a thing because of what you just said. That's why, well, I don't want to get into the why, but or the what happens during a midlife crisis, but um, that's another episode. That's a whole nother episode. I figured this out when my cancer diagnosis happened at the age of 45. So midlife crisis and cancer diagnosis kind of happened at the same time. And it's hard for me to tell what was what, but there is a moment where you say, is this how I want to spend the rest of my life? And, um, and I find Heather that people are now asking that question earlier and earlier as a result of burnout, mm. right? So the burnout is that cancer or that midlife crisis moment where Mm -hmm. they're like, you know, something's not working. I'm not happy. And I got to figure this out. And what we saw during COVID, for instance, is that lots of people actually quit their jobs, actually changed careers, reinvented themselves. And all of a sudden, like all these physicians are yoga instructors or life coaches or whatever, right? Because they were just like, I don't want to do this anymore. This is too stressful. Maybe they were pushed into their career by their parents. You know, Mm. we all have these highly driven being part of the society. You know, it's like, if you want to, be proud of your kid. It's like, oh, my son's a doctor, you know, like Mm -hmm. there's that. 
I think my client who's a lawyer probably had a little bit of that, of like doing it to maybe please the parent or whatever it is. You're in it for the wrong reason, or you thought it was the right thing, but just the system kind of failed you along the way. And you're like, you know what? Yes, I just spent 10 years getting my MD and I've got $300,000 in student loans, but I can't do this for another day or I'm going to kill myself. And at some point you just have to say, there's another option. I'll figure out how to pay back the loans and I got to reinvent myself because I don't want to do this anymore. Right. So I think, you know, we talked before about permission and I think because of everything I just said, a lot of times we don't give ourselves permission to change, to do the thing that's right for us. But that is an option that is on that shelf alongside everything else. Well, there's a lot that goes into that about pivoting or whatever you want to call it. And there does come a time in our lives where we have built our careers, especially, you know, when you are a doer, you have probably built yourself and, you know, you have really done yourself into a nice career where you get some appreciation, some feedback, some recognition, I guess is the word I'm trying to say, some recognition for all the things you've gotten done. And there does come a time when you're like, I'm 20 years into this. I can't change now. Like I've invested too much. And then the doer, anybody feels a little trapped, but it feels to me like the doer kind of gets to a point where they're like, I've paid my dues. Yeah. I've paid my doer dues. I mean, I think we all get to that point at a certain level. I think thinkers probably have that point too, where, you know, like my client is a perfectionist and he's like, I just don't care anymore. I I don't care, you know? And he says that, and I think that's kind of like the burnout speaking, but at the same time, we talk about doing a good enough job. He's like, oh, that just kills me. That just kills me because the identity is kind of wrapped up in that whole thing. But I want to go back for a second to a point you mentioned earlier about, you said doers are good people to have on your team. I actually think that the best team is a team that's got a thinker, a feeler, and a doer. Oh, 100%. Because the thinker is going to be more strategic, more analytical. They're going to look at what would be a good approach. The doer is going to be like the person that maybe you give the plan to and then they run with it, right? But maybe they're not as detail-oriented or they're not going to focus as much on the quality of it. They're just going to focus on like the quantity and getting into action mode. And I think the feeler brings in how is all these things that we're planning to do, how is that going to be effective in terms of the impact it's going to have on the people that we're talking about? You know, so imagine if you're an event organizer, you want to have somebody who's creating the event. That's the thinker. Maybe they're kind of thinking about all the things that would make it a good event based on prior knowledge, prior experiences, maybe they're chatting it up with different people and kind of getting the data. Then you've got the feelers who are thinking about how is this going to feel if we do it this way versus that way? And how do we welcome people and how do we kind of warm them up? Like when we're talking about HR, for instance, the feeler would be an excellent HR person because they have the empathy. They can step into the shoes of the worker and they can really get a sense of this is why it's not working. We need to focus on the culture here and we need to do these things so they can kind of add to what the thinker's coming up because the thinker's going to be maybe more about what makes sense versus what feels good. And then the doer is the person who then puts it into action. So having those three on your team, I think would be like the magic team. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's like a thinker, a feeling or a doer walk into a bar and 
know, a thinker, a doer, and a feeler walk into a conference room and no, but you know, I think that having been in the corporate world for as long as I was and now running my own business and whatnot, you know, listen, I realized that, yeah, it takes, you know, a thinker, a feeler, and a doer kind of working on the same thing. But as a manager, you remember when everything was like Briggs-Meyer, Myers-Briggs tests and, you know, and what color is my parachute and who moved my cheese and all of that, you know, remember all of that stuff. And then you got your colors done just for the fun of it. I don't know. But they did that so that you could understand how people hear information and how they process it so that we could all talk the same language, like men are from Mars and women are from Venus and blah, 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 blah. Right. And so I think you tell me as the expert that identifying that you have a thinker, a feeler or doer on your team, and then understanding what their characteristics are, or I don't know, you can give me the vocabulary is critical to making that team functioning. Yeah. I think we could do a whole episode on leadership and management and understanding the people on your team and their types and what does it look like and how to kind of get the best of them without burning them out. I think that would be an excellent idea for an episode. Well, um, and just understanding that, you know, but they, yeah, it, it's they, they do think differently. They, they do, do. They are motivated. They, have different, they might have different needs. They might express themselves differently. So yeah, it's absolutely important. And their burnout happens in different ways and yeah. is triggered by different things. I think that's something really, really important. For sure. So we've already said that there's a whole bunch of really positive attributes to the doer. You know, they get things done. They are somebody who doesn't like get stuck in the weeds and you can count on them to, you know, jump into action if you are kind of stuck yourself. So they're going to prioritize efficiency and productivity over other things, which, you know, this is where it's important to have a feeler on your team. Cause maybe they're a little bit less collaborative. Cause they're like, you know what? I got this. Like I, you know, you, we talked before about they're mm. the person that gets things done, but they might be the person that has the hardest time with uh, delegation and that's where things start to fall apart. Right. So I want to talk now for a minute, just about what leads the doer to burnout. And I've already mentioned one thing that lack of delegation or collaboration, where you think like you have to do everything alone and that can lead you to really feeling exhausted. That's a thing. And uh, as we also said already, just to recap, when you don't take enough time for yourself, because you're so busy doing work, right? That sense of, I need to accomplish all the things. And on my vacation, I need to see all the things and I have to do all the things that I never really get to rest. And I'm just tired, mm -hmm. right? Because we're not machines. We're not contrary to popular belief, right? And unlike the thinker, the doer may not take enough time to actually plan things through to have that strategic thinking. They might just get into busy mode and like not really ask themselves really crucial questions about why am I even doing this? Is this really important for me to do, right? So there's a number of things that I think is important to understand that, again, none of these types are bad. We all have our strengths. Mm -hmm. And I guess you can say that our picture of burnout is our weaknesses. These are the behaviors that we engage in that lead us to kind of overdoing it on some level. Those are our weaknesses. Those are the things that we need to work on so that we get into balance, right? So that's where the doer might need to figure out how to slow down. And, and what's getting in the way of that? Oftentimes it's the belief that I am not valuable if I'm not doing, that mm -hmm. I'm missing out because there's so much to, you know, there, there is that 
passion and I feel that, right? Like I, I'm not as like focused on comparing myself to what other people are doing. I'm more focused on like, there's so much in life, right? And I'm so passionate about life that I want to like absorb everything. I want to like take it all in, right? And you have to kind of know how to pace yourself and say, you know what? I'm just going to do this. And there's probably 12 other things going on right now, but I'm not going to think about those things. I'm just going to do this one thing, right? And you can't, you have to get out of like that FOMO mode. So there's that. And really appreciating what you have done rather than always jumping into the next thing yes. is important. Okay. So I was going to ask that question. I wrote this down, but does a doer have a realistic view of their pro productivity? Like, do they understand like how much they've gotten done? Like, can they ever have, have that appreciation of taking a step back and going, look at what I've done? Or do they have a heart? Do they struggle with that? I think that's a, probably one of the biggest pitfalls is if you're constantly in doing mode and we talked about purposeful doing versus like the busyness of constantly having something to do, then you do fall into that trap of as soon as you finish something, you're on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And a lot of times we lie to ourselves. We tell ourselves when I accomplish this big task that I'm working on or this project, then I'll be able to relax and I'll go on vacation. I'll take some time off and then, you know, I'll go to the beach or whatever it is. And the truth of the matter is you then have 15 other things on your spreadsheet that you're like, oh, but there's all these other things, you know? And so we call this the arrival fallacy, right? When you mm. tell yourself the, when I get to this point, then I'll finally have the things that I need to be in balance. And then you never actually get there because also the version of the doer that leads to the burnout is the version where your self-worth is wrapped up in your productivity. In other words, you identify as a doer, as somebody who gets things done, as somebody who has all these accomplishments and to not do something goes against like the yeah. very nature of who you are and a more balanced version that we're striving for, at least on this platform here is that you know, use your strengths, get stuff done. That's amazing. And part of that has to be focusing on slowing down, on turning within, on asking good questions, on self-care. That's a more balanced picture of the doer. And that's what I hope people walk away with from this episode. Yeah. Yeah. That's all powerful stuff, Sharon. The people that I know who were doers, their identity is wrapped up in the fact that they get things done. Oh, her events are always so great. Her, you know, whatever. And then you sort of like, oh, oh my gosh, I got recognized for that. I just want that. I just want to do that, you know, more and more. Sure. Like I want to be the, I want to be the person. And I think it's a, that it's a doers, dopamine hit. Yeah. Yeah. And the doers that I know don't like to delegate because that's their identity. Their identity is no, no, I'm the party planner. I'm the person, the salesperson always hits my sales goals. I'm the kind of yeah. like, I did it on my own. Nobody did it for me. I did it. Yeah, and there's I did a it sense of own. pride. There's a sense of pride. Yeah. Which is great, you know? And I also find that sometimes you, become the person that people have become so reliant on mm -hmm. that then the burnout, the way it kind of shows up is now you're exhausted and you feel resentful of the fact that now you're expected to show up and do all this stuff. And you're like, why isn't anybody else doing anything? 
right? So if you catch yourself asking those kinds of questions and feeling the resentment, that's definitely a sign that you're burned out. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So any final words to wrap us up, Heather? Well, no, I mean, I was just, as you were talking, I was just thinking about early in my career, I had a sales job and, you know, living on that perpetual, like I had to meet my sales quota meant that I never got to celebrate or enjoy the fact that I met, you know, met my sales goals last month because it was like the end of the month. Great. Now, you know, I'm working towards now I got to do it again and I have to do it again and I have to do it again. And there was never any like sense of completion or accomplishment. It was just rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. And what would you say for people who are in those environments in those vocations or, or in those jobs? Where they feel like a sense of mundaneness and they're bored. Well, there's no end. There's no stopping point. It's, I did this. I did this. I did this. Now I got to do it over here. I got to do it again and do it again and do it again. Yeah. That's an excellent question. And what I would say is that there are certain vocations where you don't see something from beginning to end. You Mm -hmm. just do one piece and it could be a forever project. Like we go, for instance, pick up trash from the beach And we know that the next day we show up, there's going to be more trash. So it's never going to be like cleaned just because we cleaned it. You know what I mean? That sort of thing. Like it's just a perpetual problem and you do your part. I think you have to take pride in what you do and knowing that you've moved the needle a little bit, even though it's not completely and just let go because ultimately it's about if you can find a sense of purpose in the work that you're doing, then you don't have to, you know, it's not an ego trip. You don't have to kind of, get to the end and be like, I did all of it, you know, like, no, like you're part of something bigger and you do your piece and just have that pride in just doing that because that brings you a sense of purpose. So it reminds me of this mosaic picture that is hanging in the place where my son gets his hair cut. And if you are right up on it, all you see are the squares. But when you step back, you see it's a portrait of their dog. The doer needs to take a step back, look at what they've been doing and say, wow, that's good work. I've done a lot. And right. hundred percent. I think that's true for all types. I think we all sometimes get too in the weeds. We get too into the habits of being who we are. And we all need to take a step back and look at what we're doing, why we're doing it. And that practice of zooming in and zooming out of your life is so important to keep you in balance and on track. So I think that's a great place to end. And I want to thank you, Heather, for joining me for our third episode where we've now taken a deep dive into the thinker, the feeler, and the doer. And let's tell those listening about our project quickly, you know, what we're working on and what we can bring to their next event. Yes. So, you know, we've been working on this really amazing interactive project where Sharon comes in as the burnout doc. And I always say she's the ahas on the ha-has. And we I help your organization identify your burnout or you identify your burnout profile and how to um, address your burnout to prevent it from happening. And so it is really great knowledge 
to help you with that self-evaluation. But then I know what you're thinking. Well, why does she have a comedian? Because humor is so important. It, creating an environment of levity in your workplace, for instance, super important because it builds trust and connectivity and likability and all, all of these things. But everybody knows that, well, they say laughter is the best medicine, Sharon. You know, I think medicine is the best medicine, but for everything else, there's laughter. And so bringing in laughter helps people remember things and it makes the point more kind of like sticky as we, as we like to say, but also it just releases stress you guys automatically. And so I don't know, I'm super excited about it. You know, we have this fun, fun activities. It's very engaging. It's very informative. You're going to laugh. It's good stuff. I'm super proud of the work we're doing. Thank you. And uh, I just want to say that a lot of times you have conferences where you've got somebody just talking about their expertise. And then sometimes you have an entertainer and it's just there to maybe make people laugh or just lighten up the mood. And what we've done is kind of married the two. And I call it entertainment with a purpose where we're taking this really relevant topic because we know that they say that 77% of workers burn out at some point in their career. And at any given time, about half your workforce might be burned out or on the verge. So this is a real relevant kind of a topic. And yeah, there's nothing really funny about burnout, but why not make it an engaging presentation where, your audience, <laughs> where your audience members get to learn about themselves and create those custom recovery strategies based on their type. That's kind of what we're talking about. Uh, we call it crack up your code and we'll put all the information about that in the show notes. So definitely reach out to me or to Heather if you're interested in learning more. And until next time, I want to just end with the questions I always leave you with, which is for all of you thinkers out there, what did you think of the show? If you are a feeler, how did hearing this make you feel? And for all of you doers, what are you going to do based on what you've heard? Now, regardless of what your personality code is, my goal is to spread the word that burnout is a unique experience, and by decoding it, you can find solutions that are equally unique to you. Help me spread this message by subscribing to the show on Apple or Spotify and leaving us a review telling us what you think, feel, or do differently because of the show. And if you're watching us on YouTube, you can leave a comment or questions to answer in future episodes. And please recommend the show to anyone struggling with burnout. If you're ready to take the next step with me to DYB, go to decodeyourburnout.com and I'll see you right back here next week. Bye, everybody. Bye.